uh, say some things that the Lord's put on my heart. And uh, the Lord has been certainly working in our church, and I think we could testify to that. And the Lord has been very, very good to us. The things that he's done just this year, the things that he's added to our ministry, the ministries that he's added to our church. And uh, it's been exciting and a little overwhelming to see what God has added. And I know one of the concerns, because I've had the concerns, well, Pastor, how are we going to do it all? Well, I'm glad to be involved in something that is bigger than what we can do. So that means God's got to do it. And I'm excited about what God is doing. He settled some things in my heart uh, recently, and even some of the things I'm going to say tonight uh, are going to be evidence of the things that God has settled in my heart. And so uh, I'm going to do something tonight that I don't normally do. I am going to read uh, most of my message. So I, I'm going to read my introduction, which will take about a long time. And so um, there's so many things on my heart and mind. And uh, this past week, I knew the direction God was going to take me. So I sat down one evening and just began ordering my thoughts and writing out everything uh, that I felt like the Lord would have me to say tonight. And as I mentioned this morning, some of the things I'm going to say, um, we're going to have to chew on for a little while. Some of the things I'm going to say aren't going to be easy to hear, uh, but we need to hear it. Uh, and I'll just say this, that the Lord has brought me to this position over some time. And I believe uh, this is going to help our church tonight. Uh, I believe the Lord has given some insight uh, into some things and some things that he's going to have us to do. And uh, so I want you to pay close attention to me this evening. At the end of the message, uh, there'll be some information uh, in the message about our current building situation. And so uh, that you'll want to pay close attention to that. And uh, certainly I believe there'll be a call to action at the end of the message tonight. But if you're in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, I'm going to read uh, from the book of Esther one verse. I'm going to read... Uh, from chapter number uh, four, if you will. Um, I'm sorry, chapter number, I lost my place. Give me a second. I know it's all good, right? I should just start reading. Well, um, we'll read from, oh, there it is, at chapter four, verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Probably every preacher has preached from this passage of Scripture. And, but it's a good reminder, as Esther was reminded, that God put her in that specific place for that specific time, for a specific purpose. It was to preserve His people. Now, I believe God, no doubt, has put us in a specific place at a specific time to do a work for Him. Part of the message this morning is I spoke in relation to the nation of Israel, but also to the Gentile. The book of Romans is very clear that God is using the Gentiles to spread the gospel. And when that work is done, then the rapture is going to take place. So that is what we are to be busy about, doing the work of the Lord. Having read that, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do... Do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Now, what I told you I'm preaching on tonight, and then when I read that verse of Scripture, you may not be able to connect the dots. I'm going to connect them for you tonight. As we consider this verse of Scripture and just this question, what is at our hand? What is at our hand? 
Too many times we complain about what we don't have in our hand. Thinking we have to have what we think we have to have to make a difference. When really we need to be considering what does God put in our hand? What do we have? We'll connect all this this evening. You give me your heart tonight. Father, use your word. Use the thoughts that you put on my heart. You know what you've been doing in my life personally. You know the burden that uh, I have felt with the messages today. And Father, more than that, I believe there is a work that needs to be done for you that you would have us to do. I believe uh, there's a response that we as your, your people should have to the things that take place in our world. I pray that you'd use the message tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll remind us once again this evening that the world has shifted. Since the attacks on Israel more than a week ago, the world has changed and it will never be the same. Our nation has also changed and has entered a new period of history. This has happened before and most do not realize what is happening while living it. We tend to look at history as something that has happened and not something that is happening. The winning of our nation's independence was not a day on the calendar marked Independence Day. There is an undercurrent that built for years which led to the war. Yet the most vulnerable time came after the war was over when a nation that had never governed itself had to now govern itself. But those 13 colonies found themselves in a better position and would not go back to rule by a foreign king. Another watershed moment was the Civil War and the battle over states' rights and the abolishment of slavery. What began in the writing of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal ended with the end of the Civil War. Again, the most vulnerable time for our nation was not during the war, but after the war as a nation dealt with healing or being divided forever. Regardless, America had changed for the better and would not go back. In fact, it could not go back. The Great Depression, the World Wars, along with Pearl Harbor, changed our nation as it was thrust into prominence as the leader of the free world. This was a shift that would give us a worldwide platform to lead the world. I'll pause for just a moment. I want you to follow with me that every time there was one of these watershed moments, our nation changed. It could no longer operate as it operated before. It was not supposed to operate as it operated before. Uh, this was a shift that would give us a worldwide platform to lead the world. The 60s cultural shift, which we have never recovered from, changed our nation. However, it was not changed for the better. 9-11 changed us. While we for a moment in time looked back to the Bible and to God, we quickly fell back asleep as the culture continued to decline. COVID and the 2020 election changed our world forever. The people who have seized power now are not going to give it up without a fight. What we know about history, along with current events, tell us that there is a monumental pivot in our nation that history will mark as a watershed moment for the United States of America. America, as we have known it, as our grandparents knew it, is gone and is not coming back. Trump will not save it. And in fact, he cannot save it. America will never go back. 
Christians seemingly are concerned with the state of America while they are not concerned with the state of the church. God only, and I don't understand this, I don't understand why Christians are loyal to every other institution but to the institution of the church, which includes the structure of the church, the government, if you will, of the church. I don't understand that. The greatest attack that a church is under in many cases is by so-called Christians. But we're concerned with the state of America, but we're not concerned with the state of the church. Let me remind us tonight that God only made two basic promises to America. One is found in Genesis 12, 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. God never promised America prosperity. He never promised America wealth. He has granted that, but he has not promised it. Certainly, part of us having that is righteousness exalts a nation. Those are the two basic promises to America. As you study the Bible, America is not in the Bible in times. The best description of America today is found in Romans chapter number 1, the reprobate culture that we have in our, nat- in our nation. America is not in the Bible in times. Israel is. And the church is. We have gone from the humble nation begging God for deliverance at Bunker Hill in Yorktown. We begged God to heal our nation after it was pulled apart. We pleaded for God to protect our boys as they stormed the beaches on a far continent. We prayed for his mercy after the towers fell on 9-11. But now, we're a nation that expels God and welcomes the pervert. We are a nation that flies the prideful flag of abomination. We resemble Romans 1 as a reprobate culture. I mean, after all, we don't need God because we have capitalism. We look to Washington for deliverance and not to heaven. We used to fill large auditoriums in decades past to hear the preaching of the gospel, but now we fill large stadiums to hear a political speech. Perhaps the church should stop trying to make America great again and instead reach America with the gospel. It worked much better when that was the priority. Please understand, America has been used mightily by God. It is America that God has used to preserve and propagate the gospel. Even the places I preach and the men that, 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 that I work with in these, in, these, in these other countries, these national pastors, they trace themselves back to a missionary that came from America. It is America that God has blessed in might and has used as the big brother many times to offer some protection for Israel. God has loved America. God has blessed America. Make no mistake tonight, my loyalty is to Christ, not conservatism. My label is redeemed, not Republican. I'm more interested in the church body than I am the body of Congress. America is not the center of the world. As far as God is concerned, Israel is. He has not forgotten her nor his promises to her. He's not coming back. Listen to me. He's not coming back to rapture America home. He's coming back to rapture his church home. Don't misunderstand me. I love my nation. I love her history. 
As an American, I will fulfill my duties. I will honor the sacrifice of past generations and will vote for the candidate that most aligns with our nation's values. I will fight for her. But make no mistake, I am a citizen of heaven. My allegiance is to the king of kings. My mission has been set by my king, and I am his ambassador. We must stop allowing our patriotism to get in the way of our Christianity. Paul wrote to the Romans, but not about being Romans, but about being Christians. You ever think of that? When he addressed the Romans, he didn't appeal to their nationalism. He appealed to their relationship with Jesus Christ. Most Christians, everybody okay? Most Christians today let the conservative media shape their thinking instead of allowing the Bible to shape their view of the world. The media uses fear of China or Russia to keep us distracted. You may not agree with about what, about what I'm about to say, but that's okay. The conquering of our nation has come from an evil within our borders, not without them. We are not in danger of a foreign power conquering us by military might. We are in danger of a satanic overthrow fueled by Hollywood and our woke reprobate country. It's amazing to me, Americans, Christians, think China is a bigger threat than the Hollywood that we let in our homes. We think Russia is a bigger threat than the, the satanic philosophy that comes through uh, the, the, the sports figures that we hold up as heroes. Our society will not be conquered by a foreign power, but we're in danger of a satanic overthrow. Back to current events. Christ is coming. Prophecies are being fulfilled. While I believe America as we have known it is not coming back, I am not in despair. Let me pause right there. Christians have been distracted for years now. We're trying to save America. I love my country. I, 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 I want my country to be as it's always been. But as the church, our first priority is to follow Christ's command to fulfill the Great Commission, to reach the world with the gospel. That is our first priority. And as I've tried to remind us, if, if we see enough people saved and, and they start following the Lord and His commands, something tells me the Holy Spirit of God is going to tell them how to vote and, and show them what they need to do. We must make sure our priority is what it is, needs to be. Well, I believe America, as we have known, is not coming back. So, Pastor, if you believe this, are you not going to vote? Absolutely, I'm going to vote. So, you know, I'm going to try and vote as many times as I can. I mean, I, I mean I'm going I'm to vote. Uh, but I'm not, I realize my vote is what my vote is. My hope is not in that. 
we have a corrupt government. And I, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. You, you know that I'm, I'm fairly versed in American history. The Lord has allowed me to have some discernment in the times. Our government is not good. It's the best form of government. That's different than being good. It is a corrupt, evil government. We have a corrupt government, a corrupt justice system, a reprobate society, yet I am not in despair. I don't like what has taken place, the perversion of a generation, the murder of babies, the blasphemy towards God. What an irony for the media of our nation and the politicians of our nation who have no problem with a baby being butchered as long as it's in the womb. Condemning. And they ought to be condemned. But it's a little ironic and hypocritical, I believe, to think it's an atrocity if the baby is murdered outside the womb in, a, in, in another country than it is when it's murdered inside the womb in this country. The blasphemy towards God. However, I am excited. I know what some of you are thinking. After all of that, why? How, pastor, can you be excited? Because I've read the Bible. Those of you that are familiar with my fondness of history, my favorite historical figure in our nation's history is George Washington. But I'm not waiting for the return of George Washington. I'm not praying for another Ronald Reagan. My king is coming. And just like Esther, God has prepared us for such a time as this. What an honor. What an opportunity. Well, so what a thought to think tonight of what God would allow us to be a part of. So, what do we do? Look at our text. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. I've told you, I believe, I do not believe America is going back. I believe that things are moving very, very rapidly. Christ is returning. His return is imminent. He could come tonight. I'm not worried about, uh, you know, whether or not uh, they're putting in, the technology is there where you can have a chip and scan. I'm not going to be here when all of that's legislated. I'm not worried about any of that because I'm going to be out of here when that all takes place. I'm not looking for the Antichrist or who he is. I'm waiting for the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. 
I can't change. I would if I could. I can't change the corruption that's in our nation. I can't change Hollywood. I can't change some of the things that cannot be undone. So what can I do? I can do whatever's at my hand. As a church, what can we do? Whatsoever is at thy hand. Whatsoever is at our hand, we should do with all our might. I believe we as God's people have made a mistake and we have, we have been frustrated because we don't have things and things have changed in our nation and we need to change things this way or that way. And no, we ought to change things the way that things have always been changed with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are things we have been on a journey for all these years to get to where God wants us. And we can say, well, we don't have this or we don't have that or I, I wish we had this at our disposal. But whatever is at our hand, we should do with all our might. So what is at our hand? Very quickly tonight, the first thing I see at our hand, we ought to be praying for power, peace, and provision. We want to complain, but are we praying? We ought to be praying daily for God's power. That's, that is the key. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. We've looked at it very, very carefully. If we're going to reach the world with the gospel, if we're going to reach our neighbors, if we're going to reach our city, if we're going to reach our family, that can only be done in the power of God. Right. We ought to be praying for power. We ought to be praying for peace. We ought to be praying for provision. Number two, what should we be doing? What's at our hand? Prepare for the rapture of the church. I mentioned this morning, we don't preach on the rapture that much. It's almost like Christians get discouraged when you start talking about the rapture. I don't understand that. Christians get nervous when you start talking about the rapture. Is it because we're not ready for the rapture? Is it because our soul is not secure? Is it because we're not doing everything that we need to do? Friend, he could come back tonight. Are we ready for that? As a church, what is our priority? If he's coming, if our citizenship is not here, then that shapes our priority as a church. It shapes our priority as a Christian. I make no bones about it. We're preparing for the rapture of the church. We're preparing to reach the world because Jesus is coming again. I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. I pray that God uses all of our children to, to, to propagate the gospel in this world. Say, well, Pastor, they, they may not be called to be a preacher. Well, let me tell you what they are called to do. What every Christian is called to do, be part of the Great Commission. Be part of his church, serving in his church, preparing this world for the king of kings to come. And by the way, God help us as Christians if you'll give monthly to the Republican Party, but you have a hard time tithing. You have a hard time giving the missions. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but it's a good reminder for us. We must prepare for the rapture of the church. Number three, what's at our hand? Preach the gospel to every creature. You know, the gospel works whether there's a Republican or a Democrat. And I hope we've seen, as far as, certainly as far as Congress goes, there's not much difference. It's really not. We've got to preach the gospel to every creature. It's all about the gospel. It's all about what Christ did on Calvary. Pastor, I wish we could change it. We, well, what can we do? We can preach the gospel to every creature. You want to make a difference in your country? If you could turn back the clock, if you could take us back to before these watershed movements 
in, in events that changed our nation, not for the better, but for the worse? We can't do that, so what can we do? We can tell somebody this week about Christ. Yes. Certainly the things that are taking place, there's people asking questions. So let me tell you what's going on. Jesus is coming back. He's returning. As a matter of fact, the gospel, you study history, you study this Bible, the gospel flourished under bad leaders. Flourished under oppression. Why is that? Because our eyes have got to be on the one to deliver us. We've got to be, have our pride. Preach the gospel to every creature. Number four. I would say I'm done. This is my last point, but I'm not done. So what's at our hand? I want you to listen very carefully to me. Pay attention to our place in history. I was a child in the 80s. Those were good years, weren't they? Where churches would, Bible-believing churches would mushroom and build large churches literally overnight. You had a friendly government on the federal and local levels. See, this is a subtle change that's taken place in our country, and I don't think many times we've realized it. Well, we have a conservative area. That's far different than a Christian one. Because to the conservative, Bible believers are still a problem. In years, decades past, it was Christian. Now it's conservative. You say, do you trust conservatives? No, I don't. So what do conservatives want? My vote. I know we have to swallow hard on this. But we don't live in the 80s. We have to decide what we want based on our place in history. Say, Pastor, what is our place in history? I know God put us here during this time. During these events. I was talking to my dad on the way to church tonight. and I'm going to do everything I can as the pastor of this church and as a preacher of the gospel and as a Christian, to live every day believing Christ is coming back in my lifetime, in my generation. Well, he's returning. This is the place in history we have. I don't know what the next year is going to bring. This, we, it, we, this, this conflict, if you want to call it that, in the Middle East is just getting started. It's not almost over. There will be a ripple effect of this that will bring us to the trumpet sounding. So what is our place in history? I don't know all of it, but I know some of it. As you know, we've been waiting on a report from the city to find out where our the sewer and water is so that we can build. Well, just as we suspected, we know where it is. It's right across the overpass. We're way down Normandy Boulevard. And I know this will shock you as well, that the city made no plans to extend the water and sewer across the expressway. So they are content with letting developers do it, which means, as we suspected, it'll cost us between $1.5 and $2 million to bring it to our door. 
just in case somebody asked me, says, what if we bring it the other way? I was told that would cost us more to bring it from that way. We have a loan whenever we want it. I got a surprise phone call two weeks ago from the president of a lending institution that's loaned us money in the past. That whenever we're ready to build, they're ready to finance it. But at this point, I don't want to take a loan just to bring water to the property. So, Pastor, that sounds kind of discouraging. Didn't I already tell you I'm not discouraged? I'm not in despair. What's at our hand? You know, we can keep fulfilling the Great Commission. What do we need to do? We need to keep fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what God has commanded us to do. So what's at our hand? Double our attendance as we set out to do. We've made great progress on that, but we're not there yet. With that, that, what is at our hand? Why don't we do that? Why don't we fill the space that we have? It's amazing that we just added 100 chairs and it's already filling up, but there's still some empty seats. So why don't we fill the space that we have? We can add the modular classrooms. We can finish the academy expansion. We can add a daycare ministry. We are looking right now for North Florida Baptist College, we're looking at a, a classroom building that we can secure so we don't have to wait to build on this property so that we can have those send their young people here to be trained in the Great Commission so they can go into this world. Matter of fact, I, I, I don't want to send my young person anywhere so they can be trained to be a politician. We have to fulfill the Great Commission. We can do that. Or the Amanda Ranch that God has given us. That's what's at our hand. Next week, there'll be dozens upon dozens upon dozens of preachers here for the Preacher's Delight Conference. And that one week, we can make an impact. See, Pastor, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. It's at our hand. Say, so why are we having it? Because we invited them and 80 said they're coming. So I guess we'll have it. I guess we'll see what God does that week. The Great Commission mission in recent days is the Lord has confirmed some things in my heart. In so many ways, the doors that God is opening for this church to not just impact our community, I'm not overstating this, to impact the world with the gospel. These things are not how I would prioritize them. I mean, I've got, I've got building plans off of, on top of building plans, on top of building plans, but it's how God's prioritized them. Tonight, because we're in a good place for a loan to build, and by the way, this doesn't mean that we're not going to build. I'm waiting on one report to get back to find out what it would take to put in a new well to handle the water for the, the modulars here. We can go with septic as we have to probably even build that first building. But those are decisions that we can make based on the information we get. So it doesn't mean that we're not ever going to build. It was revealed to me in this last meeting we have that there are, since this started, there's two developers looking at property just to the west of us. And they seem pretty 
certain that that is getting some traction. Maybe God wants them to pay for our water. I offered to say, well, if we bring it in, then can we put a valve on it and charge? They said, Pastor, this isn't the 1800s and it's not the West. I said, okay. Thought I would ask. So it doesn't mean that we're not building. It doesn't mean God's not going to give us everything that we've, we've had the goal and desire to do. It just means right now there's some things at our hand. Boy, the Lord has even worked in my heart, and the Spirit of God has even rebuked me as I've said in my frustration, God, are you going to open this door? And, 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 and the people want this, and, and they've given to it. And he's like, I look at what I've done for you even in recent months, and look at what I've given your church, and look at the opportunities that I've given you to make a difference when it comes to the gospel. And that's, friend, that's what we have to do tonight, is we just got to do what's at our hand. We can, we can say that Washington, D.C. needs to get saved, and they do, but so do our neighbors, so do our co-workers, so, so do the people down the street. We drive by their house every day when we go out to work. Those people need salvation as well. That's what's at our hand. Because we're in a good place for a loan to build. I'm, I don't think there'll be any objection to this. I want to take the double portion offering. And I want to use all that for missions and for these ministries that I just mentioned. Because Jesus is coming soon, isn't he? We should be busy. Busy trying to see as many people saved as possible. And by the way, I, I don't share everything that God's doing. I shared a few weeks ago about the individual who wants to build a building for us. There are others, and I'd never say who they are, who in the last several years have felt God speaking about leaving much to this ministry. It has nothing to do with the cathedral, but everything to do with the gospel. Pick up what's at thy hand. If I had been born in the 1740s or the 1750s, I would have fought for our independence. God was preparing a nation to propagate the gospel. But I wasn't. If I had been born in the 1920s, I would have fought for our nation's existence in the war to end all wars. But I wasn't. I was born in 1974. I believe God put me here at this time to not to lead a revolution, but to lead a church and anyone else who will get on board to reach a world. For such a time as this, friend, our king is coming. I... The Lord has, and I said some of this stuff we're going to have to chew on for a while because we love our nation. We should be weeping over our nation. But the Spirit of God has worked in my own heart and challenged me. Do you love America more than you love your Savior? Are you more concerned with your nation 
than the command to reach the world. And friend, God put us here at this time. What's at your hand? Young people, it's your life. I've said this in the past. I haven't said it recently. But I don't believe there's ever been a greater opportunity for a young man and a young lady just to say, I'm going to use my life to see people saved. Well, I don't feel called. We have a call in the Scripture. You may not be called to, a, to, to be a preacher. You may not be called to be a missionary. You may not feel a call to even be in full-time ministry. But friend, what would be wrong for us to say, I'm part of God's church. The rapture is coming. Our nation and our world is in turmoil, getting ready, not for a political wave that's coming through, but the King of Kings is coming again. The Lord of Lords is coming again. And that trumpet is going to sound. And friend, I look forward to that day to leave all this mess behind. But when that trumpet sounds, you can't witness to that neighbor again. You can't witness to that family member again. You can't take that stand that you were going to take. You can't surrender your life and say, finally, I'm going to do what I feel like God wants me to do with my life. The time is now. It's at our hand. Tonight, what's at your hand? Church, what's at our hand? There's a lot of opportunity. I don't even know how to end this, but the Lord just impressed this upon me. This is how I'll end it. I've been accused of being a dreamer. It's not true, but I've been accused of that. Because of the time God placed me in, the home he put me in, the opportunity he's given me to be around those that I had the privilege to be around as a young man and even now. There's responsibility, I believe, the Lord has placed upon me. And in doing so, it's placed upon you. But he's put some things in my heart, and I've carried them for a long time. I've carried a camp ministry for a long time. I've carried the ranch for a long time. Boy, the missions and, boy, the aviation and all the things and the planting of churches, and I've carried it for a long time. They weren't born in me. God placed them there. And as you all know, you've been here. This year has been a year where God said, he just, he just started opening doors. Opening doors. I was staying in an office with a lot of things on the walls that have to do with all this, and I was spending some time. I said, Lord, I've, I've done everything that I believe you've asked me to do. You've got to raise people up to do these things because I can't do them. Boys, after that time, we had men in this church step forward and say, Pastor, I believe the Lord wants me to do this with this ministry and this with this ministry. What I'm saying tonight is if God put this in the heart of your pastor, it's not just at my hand. It's at your hand. Say, Pastor, I don't have the burden for our city like you do. Well, I believe that some time with the Lord can change that. Amen. Friend, we only have one life. And it's moving very, very quickly. I just said I was born in 1974. That used to not sound like so long ago. But some of you don't laugh because... 74 is a lot closer than when you were born. 
What's at your hand? Let's rededicate ourselves. This is just something the Lord has put on my heart tonight. I want to use, see, but what if this pastor, this pastor, they don't feel that way. That's their business. I'm just telling you what God is going to work in my heart. What I feel like God wants us to do as a church. Friend, tonight, what ability do you have to serve in what capacity are you not serving? It would be a good time for you to get in the fight. If our nation was at war tonight, I mentioned our tour guide in, in Israel that we just hit it off with when we were all over there. His great burden is his son was called into the army. His son-in-law, who just married his daughter, many of you will remember, he was earlier this year was when they were ha- he was preparing for the wedding when he was our tour guide. We were joking, we were all coming to the wedding. His son-in-law just got called. Their existence is at risk. If our nation it was the same way, would we not all do the same thing? But friend, our king has made us ambassadors. We're to be witnesses to let the world know Jesus is coming again. Make ready for the king. Make ready for his return. And friend, you and I need to be ready for the return of Christ. We need to be ready. Have we done all? We'll stand before that in that judgment seat, giving an account of our life and what we did for Christ. There's never been a greater, I don't, I don't believe that, I don't believe there's ever been a greater opportunity for us to use our life to see people saved around the world. Tonight, pick up what's at your hand and do it with all thy might. This is a serving church. If you're in our music ministry, I appreciate all the work that's going on in our music ministry. It shows. But are you singing in the choir? Are you, have you, have you doing it with all your might? You teach that Sunday school class, are you doing it with all your might? If you're a witness, are you doing it with all your might? Mom and dad, you ought to be doing everything that you can to protect your own children from the, the filth of this world and praying for God to use them to use them in this day. Friend, let's just do what the Lord tells us to do. Father, I pray that you'd use the message as you see fit with the Spirit of God work in our hearts. May we be reminded, if nothing else, of the goodness to us, the opportunity we have. May we take advantage of the opportunity before us. We 